So Blue Conduit is a company that's uh, really committed to using data science to support better decisions when it comes to public health. It came out of the research that Eric and uh, his colleague Jake Abernethy did in Flint in terms of uh, using predictive uh, models to help locate the lead service lines in Flint to accelerate their replacement in a more efficient way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business here in Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Sanchez-Burks, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to help create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. I'm here with Eric Schwartz, professor of marketing at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan and co-founder of Blue Conduit along with his colleague, Ian Robinson, Managing Director at Blue Condit. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks so much Thank for having, having us. Eric, can you um, give us sort of like the, the abridged version of when you took this sort of research, applied it for the first context or for the first time in Flint, as you mentioned, um, what, what did that look like for people? Like, what does it mean to take research and apply it? Um, you have a wonderful sure. long origin story, but can you give us sort of a snippet of that? Sure thing, and 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 I would say, Ian, very grateful for all of those uh, those, those efforts uh, and continued efforts uh, with, with with me and and with with the team. Ian, what started as a, a, a curiosity and and a, a desire to help uh, really evolved into a research project uh, to begin with. It wasn't research first exactly. So Jake Abernathy, who was a computer science professor here at Michigan, now is a professor of computer science in Georgia Tech, and I, um, both of us are come at the world of data from two different perspectives. He's more theory, I'm more uh, applied, mm. but we really were interested in understanding what was actually going on in Flint and discovered through a variety of circumstances that there was data available and there mm. was a lot of uncertainty specifically around where the actual physical lead pipes were, which mm. were the primary source of the lead contamination in the water drinking supply. And so what we realized was it wasn't just gathering the data and running machine learning models and statistical methods to predict which other houses had likely chance of having lead in addition to the ones where they had some data, but it was action after that. And so I think that, that was the big leap Mm. Uh, we took some data from conversations and meetings that we had with folks that were working for the city of Flint and working in the water department uh, for, for the, the state of Michigan's drinking water group. But then we actually went back to them and said, we think we can really help here. If you were to go to send more resources to these homes that likely have led, according to this prediction, you're going to be able to get a bigger bang for your buck in a limited amount of state funding and then became state and federal funding. So you basically did a, an experiment or a demonstration of your the predictive value of your model. Yeah, well, it's it, it was a really exciting moment to talk about prediction because we said, here's a prediction, and then they went out and validated those predictions by going there or yeah. going to others as well and seeing, well, which homes, which set of homes had higher rate of lead, the ones that were recommended by Schwartz and Abernethy or the ones that were not recommended by them? And, and the answer was by a very wide margin, the ones that we had suggested wow. to go to. And 
where is Flint now? Uh, I, you know, I know you're very humble and you, you wouldn't take credit for everything of where the progress has been made. But because of the work that Blue Condit is doing in Flint, um, what is sort of the, the story there, the success case? The, the success case really is the, the community activists and community groups on the ground. That's 100%. Um, the people who were uh, coordinating with not just the local contractors and the engineering firm that happened to be working that year or another year, but also with groups like the Natural Resources Defense Council and the American Civil Liberties Union and the NRDC and ACLU really uh, did amazing work to use the the law and use the courts to put pressure on uh, different entities in the city and, and companies to make sure that they were doing what is best for their plaintiffs and uh, the, who were the really the people yeah. in Flint and the grassroots organization. I think what's interesting is over the course of these now five years from fe- February 2016, when there was a real charge to say, let's get all the lead out of Flint to now, it really is almost gone. Uh, Ian has spent a lot of time uh, through the summer and fall, spring, summer, fall this year, working with community organizations and grassroots. So I can give you a better sense of um, what what lead remains and and what are the the what's the progress now looking like. So it's really accelerating the progress of this lead remediation, as well as doing it in a way that made optimal use of limited resources. And beyond that, now, Ian, I know you worked with a number of graduate students from across campus uh, vis-a-vis the Impact Studio to um, ad- add and sort of elaborate to what Blue Conduit is doing and can doing uh, can do. Um, could you share a little bit about the work that you did with those students in the Impact Studio? Yeah, a- absolutely. And I would almost, we can almost take a step back before I was working with the students in the Impact Studio to almost the proto-Impact Studio work that was being done in the... Um, what was that, the winter of 2019. And the idea that really was then, what can, what kind of information does Blue Conduit have access to that if shared in the right way with these community groups um, can really help mm. them better either advocate or, or share information with uh, community members so that they can uh, ev- co- uh, connect with to get the right resources or make a compelling argument of what the data shows of what is going on and what can be done better. And so, yeah. And I think Ian, before you go forward, I think the 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 biggest nugget of takeaway from that initial proto uh, impact studio with some of the the, the graduate students there in uh, winter spring of 2019 was trust, transparency, empowerment. I mean, that, that was really the, the nugget. I think that launched right. uh, what some of the graduate students worked on undergraduates the, 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 next, the next year. Um, and Ian, maybe you could talk about yeah. what, what that looked like. Absolutely. And then so going into the next year, so these questions that of, of trust and transparency are universal. And so it was really working with the students to think about what kind of platform, how might we better be able to communicate this information and empower residents so that they can take action and reduce um, the risk of a lead service line going into their homes. Or if they do know that, what are the steps that they can take to reduce the the, the risk of exposure? And so it, it was directly those kinds of lessons that was the real foundation for the platform that the students created uh, over the 
uh, this winter of 2020. And then from there, really, I, I mean, th that work kind of merged with the map platform that had been built for the city of Flint to now be able to create a public facing map that can be adapted to any uh, geography in the U.S. that can share kind of at very usable and actionable information for every single address in that geography if there is data about what the residents can do for their uh, to to really reduce their exposure to lead. And so it's a real direct product of the insights that were really distilled and then turned into prototypes from the Impact Studio project. This is wonderful. You know, it's interesting because part of the story could easily be taken of, okay, another wonderful application of machine learning algorithms, hard data, big data. And here we're talking about trust, transparency, and community engagement as being woven into sort of the DNA of what you're doing, combining data science with what a lot of the graduate students in the Impact Studio do, which is to inject sort of immensely human approaches to designing these um, solutions. Eric, you're a hardcore data guy as well. Um, was it a bit of an aha to realize that part of your mission was to figure out how to have trust, transparency, community engagement as a core part of what you're trying to accomplish? I think it it, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a surprise, uh, but I think it was a, a, a really meaningful insight at that time because in 2015 and 16, when the Flint water crisis really came to light nationally, internationally, <clears throat> there were many organizations just swooping in to do research or be opportunistic and not really partner and not give back fully to the community. And I was very acutely aware of this, having just spent uh, nine years in West Philadelphia and, and watching the relationship between West Philadelphia community groups and, and the University of Pennsylvania and just really seeing that as well with the, the relationship between University of Michigan and Detroit, wanting to preserve that attitude of, well, we're here to work together in a genuine open, listening, human way. Uh, we don't have an agenda other than how, how can we do the most good? How can our, our skills be most useful? Uh, and I think the, the Impact Studio further reinforced that kind of, um, uh, kind of community-focused uh, uh, partnering. And I think the, where we founded the company was very much on those ideals. So we started Blue Conduit mm -hmm. on the heels of that in June 2019 for with that uh, a mission that that encapsulates some of these uh, ideas uh, and, and beliefs. Now, sort of thinking about at the moment now, where's Blue Conduit going? The EPA just revised its lead and copper rule recently. Um, what are the implications for the country, for Blue Conduit's role in that? Um, what is it in addition to a new administration coming in? Um, how does all of this shape what you're thinking about the opportunities are going forward? It's huge. It's a big deal. As, as, I mean, it is the largest change to the drinking water regulation that's happened in the U.S. in 30 years. And this is really the rule that governs and informs how water utilities are regulated when it comes to lead in drinking water. And so um, the EPA made some substantial changes to this rule, which really prioritize the need for more transparency 
which really uh, prioritized the need for more public education and communication about the risks and like what's known and unknown about the drinking water uh, infrastructure. And that really aligns directly when you think about it with the work that Blue Conduit's doing. But even more importantly, those are the same insights that the Impact Studio team really understood was at the core of this. So as part of the new rules, every single water utility in the next three years is required to prepare an inventory. So a list of every single pipe or every single service that it provides water to. And indicate whether there is a known lead service line, whether that it is known that the service line is not lead, and then to say that for all the ones that they don't know, that it is labeled as an unknown. And so this is the first time that they've ever been held accountable to do this. And those inventories then need to be updated regularly for many systems as often as every single year when new information is known, they have to tell every single resident who is um, serviced by a known lead service line or a uh, service line of unknown material, that, what, that that is the state of their knowledge about the service line. This has previously never been done before, and it's going to be a huge public education moment for water utilities and a huge opportunity for them to work towards improving that kind of trust with the residents. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest changes that directly uh, involves Blue Conduit. If I could just ask, um, so wait a minute, this would basically, for the first time, give greater insight into the state of infrastructure at a citizen level. When you talk about this, you know, from a, a lay perspective, I would have thought, even in Flint, they just have an Excel sheet somewhere and it tells you what is the case under each property? What what does it mean data in yeah. that case? How, what does the data look like it, when you went into Flint? Is it getting permission and the password to open the Excel file? The fact that there is plenty of structured data out there in spreadsheets, even with uncertainty, still requires effort to do predictive work and modeling. And so that <laughs> that is even where we start there that's plenty of work to do. But for many communities, and especially older communities, especially communities that have been underinvested, have shrinking populations, that haven't had the funds and staffing to keep up-to-date records and digitized records, those are the ones that also likely have higher chance of lead and higher number of lead pipes. Those are also the ones that are disproportionately underserved, typically from an environmental health and justice perspective. So we really do care about that. How we then work with them, uh, for example, in Flint, we were able to take the scanned images of all of the index cards. So we worked with the city, we worked with someone else to scan all these images mm -hmm. and the actual maps. They then sent them to us. We worked with um, a, a company out uh, in the Bay Area uh, that Jake had previously uh, worked with um, back in his Berkeley days. Uh, and they specialized specifically in doing machine learning to extract data from physical handwritten or printed documents when there can be many different types of documents, but they can extract mm -hmm. where was the part of the document that was different from document to document. And so they can extract wh where is the handwriting, wow. what does that handwriting say, convert that to text, put that in a spreadsheet. And so we did actually get that from uh, from Vidado uh, uh, and Captricity uh, at the time they were called um, uh, in Flint, 
And we've now actually worked with others who are engaging in some of that um, optical character recognition uh, work to take uh, let machines uh, handle the pixels of handwriting. Wow. And, and one specific place that you're working in most recently is in Toledo, Ohio. Can you tell us a little bit about the project you're doing, the support you're getting to uh, help Absolutely. scale so the efforts? We've been really doing. excited about this work that we're doing with the city of Toledo, where we uh, working with the, the city of Toledo uh, public utilities, uh, working with the um, Freshwater Future, which is a uh, Great Lakes-based group that really advocates for clean, safe drinking water and ecosystems and is really focused on community engagement and also alongside community partners in Toledo, uh, put together an environmental justice grant to the EPA that got approved. So what this means is that over the next two years, we will be working with uh, these groups in Toledo to not only provide the predictions for the city to inform its replacement program, but really a full suite of services to make sure that this information about where there is likely a lead service line can be used to inform uh, both community education efforts on targeted interventions, say, for example, where to install filters, where to do water testing, what other types of uh, work can be done, and really just sharing uh, education resources with those who are greatest at risk to reduce exposure. And so it's really exciting because the the lead service line question and the location of them is really tied up with these uh, the with, with questions of environmental justice, these under-resourced, under-invested communities that have not had the resources over time to be able to maintain or improve their infrastructure. They end up you know, really over the long term, becoming increasingly impacted by the continued presence of lead. And so we're really excited about this um, mm -hmm. as, as an opportunity to show how technologies like AI, this type of technology, like AI, and really using it in ways that, um, you know, applies best practices and statistics, avoids some of the some uh, uh, biases that are often very common when it comes to using these methods in ways that generates actionable data to really start to uh, try to address some of the these in, in inequalities that have really affected communities like Toledo and others. That's wonderful. How can people learn more about the work Conduit is doing? And um, I know you're getting some cool press on this. Uh, tell us, where can we learn more and keep up with what all that you're doing? So, uh, BlueConduit.com is a good start. BlueConduit.com is a great place. Also, if you're on Twitter, blue, at BlueConduitAI, you'll find uh, the latest, uh, any press mentions um, or things related to lead to service line replacement. We're, we're, we're on top of that and try to share the relevant information. Uh, there are several in the past about uh, press mentions talking about the work that has been done in Flint um, and in other communities uh, is, is available there. Uh, it's appeared in, in PBS Nova, it's appeared on The Atlantic. And then there's a couple um, articles coming up this week and some tech magazines that hopefully we'll also talk about more specifically the work that we're doing in communities such as Toledo. Yeah, that's fantastic. So given that government is making um, it a little bit easier for municipalities to sort of delay or take a little bit more time, a lot more time, um, but at the same time you shared earlier that now more and more people are going to have information 
it could be that businesses are helping citizens effectively pressure uh, local municipalities to make this happen faster than even maybe federal regulations. Is that the hope, Ian? I, I think that's the hope. I think that the, the idea is that if, this, if data can empower uh, individuals, residents to advocate for uh, improved water quality, uh, accelerated, you know, removal of lead service lines from the inf- from the infrastructure. That's really the idea, and and really that's what Blue Conduit is about. Is really using um, data to support and advocate for uh, decisions that accelerate the removal of lead, reduce the amount of times and days that residents and children live with the risk of lead coming into their homes through their drinking water pipes. Wow. Very inspiring. Thank you so much. Again, we're here with Eric Schwartz, professor of marketing and co-founder of Blue Conduit, and Ian Robinson, managing director of Blue Conduit. Uh, Thanks, guys, for coming along. This has really been helpful and insightful. And as mentioned, blueconduit.com is where you can go to learn more about this. And it's a wonderful portal just to sort of get up to speed on some of these issues. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. And Impact Studio. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Glenn Bugala.